This is Les Strong, and you're listening to the Full and Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is J-Mac and I'm your host for today's show in the comfort of my own living room with a lovely G&T to my left and some Philly Million to my right. In this pod we will be discussing the Watford, Wareford, Halford and Wyford of our defence and Slav's thought process. Then we shall have the quiz where eternal glory awaits my co-hosts and you lovely lot at home, followed by Millwall and Everton sneak peeks, a peppering of fantasy football tips and least importantly, how many Elton John puns I can get away with without any of you lot noticing. But first, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to former Whites left-back Les Strong, who not only introduced this week's show, but who also talked to Danny a little later on in our Memory Lane feature about the last time Fulham won at Goodison Park, an FA Cup fifth-round match that he played in himself in 1975 as the Whites made their way to Wembley for what was the only time in our history up until very recently. Les made 372 appearances for Fulham, scoring five goals in an 11-year spell and is very much part of the club and even hosts matchday hospitality in the Haynes Lounge. Absolute legend. Be sure to check out the full Q&A with Danny and you can find it on the Fulham Focus website in the usual place. Les Strong, we salute you. And my co-host tonight shall be Matt Boisclair and Matt Don, but for the sake of tonight, we'll call them Matt B and Matt D. All right, let's go. Right, gents, a quick recap, then we'll get into some questions firing. So, we conceded in a matter of seconds once again in another half of football, and we're out-muscled, out-outplayed in every category. Mitro getting no service whatsoever, but getting a clear penalty denied. There's a fat Tom Kearney-shaped hole in our midfield. Fosu Mensah nearly being sent off for a terrible challenge on Troy Deeney. But Marcus Bettinelli showing his class throughout. They should have seen us off, and it could have all been goodbye Yellow Brick Road from there. But second half, we actually had a plan B. We were a different mustard altogether with two key subs being made. Then finally, Anguissa coming on in the 64th minute. We were quicker, more dangerous and defensively a lot sounder. With Mitro claiming the equaliser in the 77th minute and so close to getting a second. And therefore, we're still standing with a point. So all all, a game of two halves, a song of ice and fire. And I'm going to start with you, Matt B. With Watford's excellent start and, you know, with them keeping the same starting lineup for the sixth game in a row this season I mean a point is a good result right I mean they have after all beaten Spurs and were very unlucky against United well yeah evening gents um, Hello, uh, I, I um, before the game I, I thought we needed three points from this this is there'd probably be I was going to say there'd probably be around us in the table at the end of the season but after their excellent start I don't know but certainly at the start of the season you think Watford at home they're on a similar par to us in terms of size of club and we should really be aiming to beat them if we're looking to achieve anything this season. Um, but given the way that we defended in the first half, um, I, I really thought we'd blown it. We, we could have been three or four down at half time, And although we changed it, Slav changed it at half time, and, and we did improve. We looked much better, much, uh, much more assured at the back and better going forward. Watford were excellent at the back. Watford's defence, they, they crowded us out well. Um, didn't give us much time or space on the ball. 
and I couldn't really see an equaliser coming. So so when it did, it was it was fantastic. And as you say, we we almost went and won it at the end. All in all, a point is a decent result given the way that the game panned out. Although at the moment I am struggling to see where the next win's going to come from with with a couple of tough ones coming up. Yeah, very good, very good indeed. And so, Matt D, what do you think of the result in the end? I mean, did you think we could have possibly scraped it towards the end, or was a draw a fair result in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, as bad as we were in the first half, you know, we were equally good in the second. And to give it another five or ten minutes, I think we would have won it. And you know, I think if we had won it, I don't think they could have had too many complaints, you know. With the way Slav switched, changed it up in the second half, we, we improved so much. You know, credit to him for that. I just, you know, you just kind of wish that he'd uh, he'd gone with the right uh, lineup in the first place. And that's, you know, that's a different issue. You know, Mitro hit the header, uh, hit the crossbar with his header. And um, yeah, I think overall on balance, one one terrible half, one great half. You, you've got to be happy with the point, you know, as, as bad as we started. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Matt B, we, we finally got to meet in the flesh, actually, at halftime, have a drink. Yeah, it was lovely seeing your pretty face, mate. It was really nice. <laughs> I had, had, had a lovely Guinness with you. And I just, I've got to hear your rant. When you saw the lineup, what did you think? Because you said you were going to go to town on this pod. I'd love to know what your angle was. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I don't want to go over the same points that I covered last week, but I feel like I need yeah. to touch upon them because it was uh, it, it was much the same, really. I mean, Johansson's yeah, starting again. I, I didn't agree with that. Um, I think it's time Angisa gets some some game time from the start. When he came on, he looked he looked really good. He looked assured. He looked a class above. I thought Johansson offered us nothing, to be honest, on the pitch um, for this game. Um, I thought he was a passenger, and he, and he didn't influence the game. As I said last week, I, I like Stefan Johansson, but he, he's out of his depth at this level. So that was the first one. The second one, I couldn't believe Joe Bryan was dropped from the squad altogether. Unless oh, he's me injured. too, mate. I really don't know what he's done wrong. He must have really upset Slav. And I, I fully expected to see him back in the side, especially at home, because he's he's a good attacking option. I can I can kind of forgive it in an away game when we're when our backs are against the wall against Man City, um, when we're going to need to do a lot of defending and not necessarily sending our fullbacks bombing down the wing. But for this one, I thought surely he's got to be in the side. And then again, we we've had six games and we've had six different combinations of of defenders now, and I really think Slav needs to make a decision um, sooner rather than later on who his best defenders are. He's obviously made his mind up on the attack, and I'm, and I'm not sure I, I agree with that either, because I'd probably have Sessegnon in for Vieto, simply because I like I like Sessegnon playing further forward. Um, I don't think he's the best left-back we've got, but I like, I like him being in the team. Um, but I also think Vieto is probably one of the best impact subs we could have Imagine that coming on after sort of 70 minutes against a tiring defence, the way he runs at people. His, his end product wasn't quite there on Saturday, apart from the fact that he did set up the equaliser. But there were other there were other missed opportunities that he had. Um, for example, when he was played in by Scherler in the first half and, and his first touch was good, he got in front of the defender. And then his second touch, he took it back away from goal again. Whereas if he'd have gone towards goal, I think I think he might have scored. And so I, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably have Vieto as an impact sub and... And him and him and Camera on the bench would, would look quite tasty, I think, in terms of how can we change the game? We need a goal. We've got these two guys we can bring on, whereas at the moment we've just got we've got Kamara who's who can be a bit of a loose cannon at times. So uh, yeah, I'm really frustrated to be honest. I, I think I think we're a really good side. 
I think we've got some exceptional players and we've got a really good manager. Um, and I just don't think we're utilising these players to, to the best of our ability at the moment. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll move on. We'll come to Vieto a bit, a bit later on. So I've got a couple of points I want to make about him for sure. But this is, like you said, this is our sixth different defensive combination in six games. And I'm starting to think Mawson was taken off at half time and he was just not doing his job as the pocket man. And it was, I mean, it was a complete shambles. I mean, I've never seen so many centre backs hitting the ball. The ball just kept bouncing off their shins constantly. It was like there was just not a relationship between Mawson and Chambers whatsoever. Now, Matt B, Matt D, beg your pardon. Do you think it's possible that Mawson was being placed on the right as, as basically to try and see if Tim Ree will slowly come in the left and play alongside him in the future. I think so, yeah. I mean, when all is said and done and Slav's got a settle back four, I would imagine it's Ream and Mawson in the, in the middle. And I, th- I think I might be wrong, but I, I'm sure the only reason Mawson got moved to the left for Swansea was to you say Kyle Norton could, could play alongside him because he's unable to play on the left. So I think Mawson is good there and he's used to playing there but but Chambers certainly isn't and he I mean he's an accident waiting to happen at the best of times but if you put him put him on the left he was absolutely terrible I think there were three (laughs) separate mistakes in that very first chance that they scored from just from Chambers alone and then you know he he could have thrown away all of our good work again in the second half with another calamitous uh I don't even know what he was doing but you know he he got the ball stuck under his foot and Funnily enough, I, I thought when when I saw the lineup, I thought Chambers and Mawson, yeah, they've played together for the England under twenty ones. You know, they've they've probably got a good understanding already, and I wasn't that disappointed by it. But seeing them together, especially you know left and right or whatever inverted centre backs, whatever whatever you want to call it, they um it, it didn't work. Um, sort of sort of mentioned mentioned Cessnion as well. I th- I think as much as he's not a left back. His actually his defensive work has been okay in the last two games. So my my kind of problem is Watford play a very narrow game, and especially playing them at home, you think there's there will be a quite a lot of space, especially from deep, uh, to cross the ball. And isn't that what Joe Bryant's in the team for? You know he's got that delivery, and Sessegnon somehow he seems to be lacking a bit of confidence. He doesn't seem to be getting any power in his delivery. I can't quite work it out what, what's wrong with his game, but he's not, he doesn't seem like he's, you know, 100% committed to everything. And it was the perfect game for Brian, I think, because there was a lot of opportunities where Sessegnon from across from, you know, 30, 40 yards out could have picked out Mitrovic, but he didn't have the right delivery, which I think Brian would have had. So that was kind of my my big frustration about that that decision from Slav. And, you know, as Matt said, pick a four, go with it, see how they go for a few games. And if it's not working, change it then. You know, we're 15% of the way through the season and we no one's got a clue what our best back four is going to be. So he, he needs to make a decision now, I think. Yeah, quite right. And I think what's interesting about it is, is that, well, Slav knew as soon as the horror show started in a, less than three minutes in of the first goal, I could tell that Slav, watching, from watching the game live, I could see that Slav was not happy at all. And the decision that he made at half-time to bring a doy on um, and then to take also Johansson off and also to bring on, I believe, who was the other person that he decided to bring Aite. on? Aite, that's right. Now, I find it absolutely staggering how a doy makes us feel 
more comfortable than any other centre-back I've seen for a very <laughs> yeah. long time, since Tim Reams happens, anyway. I just want to say, I mean, Adoy, our own little tiny dancer, came on, and he was outstanding. He was, I mean, he honestly, I've never felt so comfortable watching him. And I just, what, what's going on? Matt B, what, what do you think? Why, why is it that it takes Adoy for us to feel comfortable? Well, uh, I said this on the on the WhatsApp chat on on Saturday evening, and I feel like he's like a comfortable pair of shoes that we're all used to used to relaxing in. We yeah. know he's going to make some mistakes as a as a centre back, and he has done in the past. But generally, he's been very reliable. He's a fullback by trade, remember? And he came in for Callas, I think it was against Bristol City away last season, perhaps, and then yeah. made the position his own for the rest of the season. And, and he barely put a foot wrong. As I say, he made a couple of mistakes, but he's got such a leap on him for, for a, 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 smaller, a smaller guy. And, and he's solid. And now we've got these, these new marquee players, especially, you know, Mawson, who comes with the, with the transfer tag hanging around his neck. And to, use, to continue the, the shoe analogy, it, he's smarting <laughs> a little bit. You know, we're, we're not used to having him, having him on. And, and he's, he's, he's making our feet quite sore at the moment. Um, he's certainly making the defence quite sore, and he, he had an absolute shocker. And I, I don't think I fully appreciated quite how bad his performance was until I saw it back on match of the day. And you know, he was jumping up for balls, and they were going over his head. Then he he tried that that back pass when he didn't realise Andre Gray was between him and Bettinelli. And and it's interesting as well with with Mawson that he's the one who's uh, who's said in the press recently that you know he he won't stand for bad defending. Yeah, he was the worst culprit of the weekend. So Dennis Adoy is in the team on merit at the moment, and and I expect him to start this weekend. To be honest, yeah, as do I. He'll be good against. Well, I mean, even against Millwall potentially. Matt D, do you think that Aite was the good call to bring on for McDonald? I was I was pretty surprised at the time. Um, no, I, was, I probably said <laughs> in the WhatsApp chat as well. What on earth is a defensive midfielder coming off for a you know a, a left winger? But he had a great game, particularly the start of the second half when he was he was tracking back on that flank a lot, and um, he he had a big part to play in us, you know, wrestling control of the game. So that was a, a good decision. I mean, you know, both of those half-time substitutions were were excellent. So I can't fault Sav for that, mm. but you know, I can fault him for having you know to wait until we've made two substitutions before we've got the right team. But you know, the the the, the one where um, he he moved Sherlock up the, up the pitch in the middle or took off a, a central midfielder. In a way, you know, we, we were under pressure. Our defence was terrible in the first half. And his solution, instead of, as well as, well as bringing on Adoy, was put on a number 10, you know, put three in behind Mitrovic and take the pressure off the defence that way by, by getting a lot of the ball and, and taking possession. And, you know, for that, it, it was brilliant. All, both of his subs and even the, the one, you know, We've said about Johansson, and I've, I've defended Johansson a lot, uh, and I'm starting to, you know, there's not much more I can say. Uh, maybe I was wrong with it about him, but Angisa coming on as well was another good sub, and I think he, he made the right call with all three of them. But I'd like to see him make the right call from the start. Let me ask hmm. you this, guys, then. So having watched that first half at the weekend, if you were Slav at half-time, what would you have done? Because it's quite clear that something needed to change, but... For me, I would not have looked at that and thought, right, the one person I need to take off is Kevin McDonald. I, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't think he was that bad. Um, I, I would certainly not have laid the blame at, at his feet. I mean, obviously taking him off, it worked. So I was, I was just be interested to, to hear what, what you guys maybe would have done. I personally would have, um, I would have kept McDonald on 
and I wouldn't have put IoT on, but I, was, I would have had Angisa come on, and I would have had a to, um because we started playing it by the sounds of it a four two three one. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I just think I would have had Angisa starting to begin with, but I mean, ugh, enough of that. I would have had Angisa definitely on for Johansson, and I would have probably kept McDonald alongside him. I wasn't expecting that Ayute from McDonald would work, but it did pay off, and he actually, funnily enough, Floyd has got something to offer us in this league that I didn't think he would. I mean, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised how how well he played. Before that, you don't really, I wasn't really considering it as an option. Um, even Cabano probably would have been ahead of him, but it's easy to forget that he is really good on the defensive side of the game. And when you're under pressure, that really helped. It really helped Sessignon out. I think even though Sessignon was 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 pretty strong and he held his own, that that tracking back just took some of the pressure off and let us focus on our attacking game. Um, I don't think it was as effective when he went onto the right afterwards. But back to kind of Matt's question, I would have I would have also brought on Angisa for um, Johansson. And I'd have been tempted. <laughs> so did we have a left back on the bench? But I'd have been tempted to um, put Sessignon further up and take Vieto yes. off, to be honest. Yeah, Le Marchand on the back. I'd have taken Vieto off at half-time, I think, because, you know, that that miss and well, those two misses in quick succession really did kind of annoy me. And it was that kind of, he was making good runs, but that end product just wasn't there. But, you know, again, credit to Slav for keeping him on because he got an assist. Just wonder whether we'll start to see less and less of McDonald when Kearney gets fit, because I, I I can't see him leaving Angisa out for much longer. I think Angisa is going to start um, more often than he doesn't going forward. Hope so, anyway. But then when Kearney's back, I think McDonald might might find himself on the bench a bit more. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Kearney, mate, because I mean I used to think that Seri and Kearney had too much of a similar role, but my God, did did we miss him in this game? I've never. I remember saying to you at half time, I've never seen us with such a open Tom Kenny shaped hole in the in our midfield as ever in this game as I had really quite amazed how much just the, there was there was just no connection to the midfield and the forwards about Tom Kenny that day and I mean Seri and I found Seri's passing to be actually a little bit fragile similar to it was last week against Man City yeah yeah I, I agree and and it's funny isn't it you know people spent so much time um over the over the first couple of games talking about whether or not Seri and Kearney can play together. And then all of a sudden, you see that, actually, we do miss Kearney when he's not playing. Also, after being really critical of Seri's corners in last week's show, I thought they were much better at the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I noticed that as well, actually. And I thought I thought generally our, our crossing was a lot better in the game. And yeah. Vieto's assist was phenomenal. The lovely little turn he did to make it happen was great. Now, for the goal, for Mitrovic's goal, let's talk about Mitrovic, because, I mean, how good can he be and how many goals do you think he'll score this season? Because there is something about this guy. He is just, like, a real sort of champion for us. I mean, just the way he celebrates the goal he scored, even when Marcus Bertinelli saved that penalty a couple of weeks ago, and he just slapped him around the face with passion. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You've got a real flamethrower on our hands here, no? What do you think, Matt D? <laughs> what, what can you say about Mitrovic? That hasn't already been said. You know, he's... He's an absolute monster, um, and it, yeah, as you say, it's that it's that passion. You know, he's he's got he's found his place in in this team. You know, a team that plays attacking football around him involves him in all the attacks, and you know, I mean, fifteen goals. I would be surprised if he didn't get fifteen at this point. Perhaps he's got an outside chance of twenty. You know, looking at our defense, I think we will need him to get twenty if we're gonna if we're gonna stay up. 
but um you know I, there was one thing I, I thought about his his performance um in the first half he was i can't remember their center back's name um i think of the colombian guy uh he he was getting the better of him and he was frustrating him and he was kind of you know pulling his shirt at corners and Mitrovic was he had to get spoken to by the referee and he looked like he was getting really wound up yeah and i thought he's getting sent off here and i think when he was at Mitrovic he would have done but that shows that change his change in the last year where you know he's he turned that kind of frustration into a dominant second half performance and he got the goal for us and he's unlucky not to get two goals and I think that's where that difference is. And that's probably the slab effect. So we've got, you know, we've got an absolute world-class goal scorer in our hands. Mr. Beauclair, what do you think? How many goals can he reach for us this season? Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't get 15, especially with the start he's made. Um, I, I know, I think the, the local press up in Newcastle asked Benitez, well, do you still think it was a good idea to sell him? And he kind <laughs> of, played, he played it very straight. And he, he just said, you know, sometimes a player can can go to another club and just find their feet and, and it just works for them at a particular club. And I think a combination of, of the club and the fact that he's playing for Slav worked really in his favour and it's is given his career a real shot in the arm, to be honest. And and we're we're the real benef- uh, beneficiaries of that. You know, he's he's been absolutely outstanding. People would say, Oh well, can he still do it in the Premier League? You know, he's he's been nearly thirty million pounds. Is he worth that? You know, he's he's not really got the the, the track record of doing it in the top flight, but now he's he's banging them in. He's scoring all types of goals. He's getting in the positions, and and he loves the club. He, he really plays for the place for the badge. And look at the way he celebrated the the goal. He celebrated more than I did, I think, um, for for the equaliser against Watford. So really delighted to have him. I felt sorry for Vieto in that celebration. Actually, I thought he was going to destroy him. Yeah. <laughs> just, just smash his face off. Yeah. yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that again. So Vieto, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of love and hate. Uh, thoughts from him uh, like about him at the moment so when I saw him up into the goal I found him quite frustrating quite weak on the ball but the engine of his pace and stamina was there of course but guys so Matt, Matt B what do you think of Vieto because I've got this feeling that he's not really as much of a winger as he seems well uh, one thing's for sure he's not a forward um, and I think he came as a forward didn't he um, yes but he just doesn't look like the sort of guy who's who's going to score many goals. Even when he gets in the positions, he's one of those players who you think, oh, it's 50-50. Whereas, you know, I don't know, a Louis Sahar, for example, through one-on-one, you just the goalkeeper might as well stand aside. That ball's going in the back of the net. Whereas Vieto, he just, his, his decision-making, as I said earlier in the show at the weekend, wasn't great. And he, he, could have, he could have scored that one-on-one if he'd have just taken the touch towards goal. I like him. He, he seems like he's got a good attitude. Um, he's quick. But as I say, I think he'd be better on the bench. Interesting. What about you, Matt D? What were your thoughts on Vieto? Should he be on the yeah. bench or is he a definite starter for us? Not a definite starter. I agree. I don't think I don't think he's a winger in that I don't think he's going to consistently show the level of performance he did um, you know, against, against Burnley where he had a fantastic game. I see him a bit more central. Um, I agree he's not necessarily a goal scorer. But I think he's got he's got a role to play, and whether that role might be putting him up just behind uh, Mitrovic in a, in a game where we're going to dominate the possession, because he's that sort of player who I think he'll create a lot of space. Uh, yes. Because you know defenders will step off him because they're not quite sure what he's going to do. He's direct. He's got good footwork. He's really good at controlling the ball close to him. 
So he's he's an option, you know. Whether it, if if Kearney's out again, whether you know Sherla might might play central, we'll, we'll come to that later, I'm sure. But I mm-hmm. think I, I see him more central than a wide man because he doesn't really hit the line uh, and create space down the flank, and it, it all got a bit narrow in the first half. Um, and even when he moved over to the left, I mean, the chance of, it, it came from wide, but it was still very kind of edge of the box. So yeah, I, I think he'll make a good impact sub. But um, for now, he's playing well enough to to keep his place, I'd say. Right. And we will move on to the Sherlock thing in due course and we'll talk about formation. But we just got to quickly before the last question before the Slavis action rating is to just ask you guys, with this plan B that Slavica installed in the second half, do you think this could potentially become the new primary way of playing teams or the bigger teams at least? Matt B, I'll go to you. Um, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, Again, whether it's a four-three-three or a four-two-three-one or whatever the formation is, it, it comes down to the personnel, and we need to start getting that right. I don't want to keep saying stop tinkering with the team, but I'm going to I'm going to say it again anyway. <laughs> Pick your starting eleven, stick with it, and whatever formation works best for those players, then 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 do it. But for me, it's it comes down to the players. Yeah, and I was okay. This this raises a good topic actually, Matt D. Do you think Slav hasn't picked? a constant starting eleven yet purely because of Tim Ream and Tom Kearney and their injury problems? Possibly. I mean, I think everyone, we all thought Tim Ream would be left centre-back number one. Mm. Um, it, it, it's weird how long he's been out for because there wasn't wasn't much made of it at the time. Um, I know he's back in training now, so hopefully you know, he might get a start against Millwall or he might, he might get minutes uh, against Everton. But um, definitely he's, he's trying to work out if not Ream, then who? But it comes back to he needs he needed to pick four, and it didn't work. He he changed it. It didn't work again. He changed it. You know, if it doesn't work for a couple of games running, sure, change it. But I think there needs to be a, at least a bit of consistency in the back four. With Tom Kenny, there there was a gaping hole in the first half, like you said. He um, he just plays a bit further up the pitch, and that's kind of, that's what we need. Um, the, the three centre midfielders we picked were all a bit a bit too deep. So, you know, I see when Kane is in there, I can see Angisa replacing K-Mac and then Seri to kind of play the, the more Johansson box-to-box role. And I think the three of them will work really well. But, you know, Ream, when he's in, he'll, he'll start. And Kane, when he's in, he'll start. So I think, you know, there's, there's not much more to it than that, really. Yeah, fantastic. I completely agree. I completely agree. And so, all right, guys, we're going to go on to the Slavis action rating. Are you ready for Slav? Now, B... <laughs> Matt B, talk to me. I, I, I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna be in so much trouble for this. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt B, please give me your Slavica rating out of ten. It's another five, I'm afraid. No progress mm. since last week. Same same reasons for last week. Too yeah. many changes. Too many mistakes caused by potential confusion of the the continue, continuation of the changing of the team. So it's five out of ten. Matt D. Uh, I'll give him a six. Um, first half, I mean, it, it is partly his, or a big part, his um, bad team selection. But you can't really, you know, these players should still know how to play football to a certain extent without uh, the manager. But second half, he, he made some brilliant changes and we could have gone on to win it. So he deserves credit for that. So I'm going to give him a notch up and a six. Lovely. Thanks, guys. That's the reaction. And up next is the quiz. Fulham. 
Hello and welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. It's here, it's now. Immortality, take it, it's yours. It's time for the quiz. All right, gents, here you know the rules here. It's an Everton quiz and it's 11 points for each of you or 19 in total if you're playing at home. So pencils at the ready. Now, because, Matt B, uh, you didn't get to go first last time, I'm going to let you pick which set of questions you'd like. Would you like one or two, sir? Two, please. Okay. Round one. Multiple choice. The last time Fulham didn't lose at Goodison Park was in 2004 in the FA Cup when we were seconds away from a 1-0 win. Francis Jeffers equalised in stoppage time to take the tie to a replay. But who scored the, the Fulham goal? Was it A, Sean Davis, B, Lee Clark, C, Yunichi Inamoto, or D, Sylvain Legwinski? It was A, Sean Davis. That is correct. It was Sean Davis. Very well done to you, sir. That is one point for the Matt of the B variety. Excellent. <laughs> now, and Matt D, it's, you're up. In our first spell in the Premier League, this fixture was won by the home team for how many consecutive seasons? In our first spell in the Premier League, this fixture between Everton and Fulham was won by the home team for how many consecutive seasons? Was it A, 5, B, 7, C, 9, or D, 11? I was going to go with A. <laughs> that wasn't one of the options, so uh, seven. Okay, stand by. Seven is the correct answer, mate. Yep, Everton broke the trend on the last day of the 2008-2019 this season, winning 2-0 at the Cottage. Lee and Osman got both goals, but we didn't care because it was confirmed at full time they qualified for the Europa League. So, yeah, sorry. Excellent. So, next round, true or false? All right, Matt B. There hasn't been any hat-trick scored in this fixture since the Premier League began. There hasn't been any hat-trick scored in this fixture between Fulham and Everton since the Premier League began. True or false? I've got a feeling that Yakubu scored a hat-trick against us one of those times. So I'm going to say... Um... Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't been any hat-trick scored in this fixture since the Premier League began, so you're going to go with false, I imagine. True. Yes. Sorry, false. <laughs> My goodness, man. Confusing. I'm really confused. True, I'm going All right. <laughs> that is correct. Exactly, mate. You were completely right. Jakobu scored a hat-trick in the 2007 at Goodison Park in a 3-0 win for Everton, unfortunately. Excellent. Okay. So, Matt, Matt D, on to you. True or false? Excluding cup competitions, Fulham have only ever played Everton in the top flight of English football. Oh, tricky. I mean, Everton are always in the top flight, aren't they? So, I'm going to say true. That is correct, mate. Everton have never been relegated from the top division. Well done, man. That is so. We're looking at two points each at the moment, and I hope everyone at home is doing well too. Excellent. Now, round three. So, this is the yes or no round, and you can get a, quite a lot of points here each, lad. So, just, just so you know, no pressure at all. Okay, so, Matt B, set two. Here we go. The question is, did these players play for both clubs? Fulham, obviously, and Everton. Did they play for both clubs? 
First name is Olivier Decourt. Yes. That is correct, mate. Frank Kedru. No. That is correct. No is the answer. Matt Smith. No, he didn't play for Everton. That is correct too. Tony Warner. I don't think Tony Warner ever played for Everton. No. Mate, that is correct as well. You're on a roll here. And finally, Philippe Senderos. Yes. Outstanding. Outstanding. That is pretty much everyone's got correct. Well done, mate. That is awesome. So, now it's on to you, Mr. D. You don't feel pressure, eh? Well, mate, it's gonna get it's gonna get worse. Don't worry. So, so here we go. Paul Bracewell. <laughs> oh come on. Um, oh, did he play? Uh, I'm gonna say no. Unfortunately, it's yes, mate. Great, good start. Good start. But don't worry, there are more. Marcus Hanneman. Marcus Hanneman. Uh, played for Reading, didn't he? Uh, no. Unfortunately, it's yes. He did play for both clubs. Sir. Mark Hughes. Uh, no. That is correct. Ian Pierce. Yeah, Pierce did. No, he did not. Did he not? No. Did he not play for Everton? No. Jesus. If it helps, I knew all of it. Oh, no, it would. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Simon Davies. Uh, yeah, I think he did. All right, mate. Yes, that is correct. So, so far, you have got four out of 11, and Matt uh, and Matt B is on four, five, six out of 11. <sighs> yeah, it's tight, lads. All right, round four is the odd one out. Okay, I'll go to you first, Mr. B. Which of these Fulham, former Fulham players played more games for Everton? Which of these former Fulham players played more games for Everton? Was it A, John Collins, B, Louis Saha, C, Mark Pembridge, or D, Luke Garbutt? Oh, wow. Um, so, oh, I'm just going to have to have a guess. I don't think it was Garbutt. Um, I would say it's Mark Pembridge. Mate, outstanding. It was Mark Pembridge. That's very good. That is eight points. Well done, mate. All right. It's all on you, sir. Which of these former Fulham players didn't score more goals for Fulham? So which of these former Fulham players scored more goals for Everton than they did for Fulham, basically? All right. Was it A, Terry Phelan? B, Thomas Radinsky? C, Andy Johnson? Or D, Brian McBride. Which one scored more for Fulham? Which no? Which one scored more for Everton? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, oh man, who are they again? Terry Phelan, yeah. Thomas Rudinsky, Andy Johnson, or Brian McBride? Uh, I'm going to go with Rudinsky. Mate, that's absolutely correct. Well done. So, yeah, he's, uh, he played, he scored 26 goals for Everton and only 17 for Fulham. Excellent. 
Now, here's the buzzer round. And I think because we still miss him very much, I'm going to make the buzzer noise ream still. Okay, guys? Ream. Now, so, round five, the buzzer round. This is all open to you, so you've got to be fast. You could really redeem yourself here, Matt D. Question one. Our last visit to Goodison Park ended in a 4-1 defeat. Who scored the Fulham goal that day from the penalty spot? Ream. Matt D, is that you? Yeah. Uh, Got to be Berbatov, isn't it? It is indeed, mate. Well done. Excellent. Okay, question two. Fulham's last victory against Everton at Goodison Park came in the club's famous FA Cup run in 1975. Which round was it? Ream. Matt B. Fifth. It was indeed. Oh, God. This is tight. Question three. Goodison Park or Craven Cottage, which home ground was opened first? Ream. Oh, my God. How do I decide that? Um, okay. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. I think I heard Matt D first. I'm going to have to go for Matt D. Oh, God. Um, I was going to go with the cottage. I'm afraid that is incorrect. It was Goodison Park in 1892. I just said the cottage as well. Well, there you are. That's fine then. Okay, so Craven Cottage was opened as a stadium in 1896, but the original cottage was dated back to 1780. All right, guys. Well, that is... (laughs) That's the quiz. So, Matt D, you ended up... Nine Nine out of 11. Sorry, that's Matt B. Sorry, it's awfully confusing. Matt B, you got nine out of 11, and Matt D, you got... Seven, six out of eleven. So not too bad. You redeemed yourself a little bit. And I hope everyone at home got a good nineteen out of nineteen. You got a message us if you did, and guess it's all your best. So, Matt B, we're going to be sending you a very special prize. We're going to be sending you a nice Felix McGaff gnome with a block of cheese on his knee, and you can a beautiful garment ornament. You can just put that next to a nice pond of uh, Breda Hangland's tears. That'd be great. So there you go. We'll be sending that in the post straight away. Straight away. I'll send it. I'll send the dogs out first thing so that they can go and christen it. <laughs> nice one. Nice one. All right, guys, that's the quiz. And coming up, we'll have a bit of a preview. Fulham. Hello, and welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. Right, guys, we're going to have a little quick preview about Tuesday's night's game against Millwall. Now, we were all there for the 3-0 win against them. It was probably one of the best nights I've ever had, to be honest, as a Fulham fan for an away day, as, let alone as an away day. So, Matt D, what do you think, for Millwall, how, would you, how many exchanges would you expect Slavica to make for uh, Tuesday night's game? I would imagine quite a few, knowing how, how he kind of... What he does for cup games, uh, I think he would he'll rest some of the big performers. You know, Mitrovic, Scherler, uh, Seri. I can't see any of those starting. I, I would want to stick to a strong defence just to to give them more minutes. And I, I would imagine he'd drop, uh, not drop, but rest Betnelli as well and give uh, Sergio Rico some time. And Brian will probably play uh, because you know he's completely out of the squad. Um, so I, I can't see it in a whole new eleven. I think he'll still want to see some from from some of the first team players, um, and I, I certainly hope you know we don't see all of the kind of reserve team because I think it's a good opportunity to get a win on, under our belt. Um, we obviously don't want any injuries, but it, it's you know another ninety minutes potentially for the defenders to gel, and that that will be kind of 
my main thing. I want, I'd want to see a consistent defence. Matt B, over to you. What do you think we should do? Yeah, I, I think that nobody that started on Saturday or, or starts at Millwall, I'll just zip through the, the starting 11 that I've written down without any justification. Um, <laughs> so Rico in goal, Christie at right back, Brian left back, and I think we'll play Le Marchand. And in actual fact, I lied because I think Mawson will play. And I think that Tim Ream will get a half as well. Um, then I've gone Angisa and I think Cisse and maybe Matt O'Reilly in uh, three-man midfield. And then I think we'll have Kamara and Ayite up front with De La Torre just behind. Excellent, excellent. I mean, so you're both of the mind, I take it, that actually we should be saving a bit of, bit of energy for Saturday's game against Everton, which, is, which makes a lot of sense, I suppose. And I, I just want to... When it comes to Saturday, do you see us, Matt D, going for that 4-2-3-1 then against Everton? Let's move on to Everton now. I would be surprised if we started the same way we finished against Watford. You know, be, being an away game, we've seen already Slav is kind of fairly defensive with his uh, starting lineups. Uh, it didn't it didn't really work against Brighton playing Lamarche on at left back, so I don't want to see that again. Uh, but I, I would expect, you know, Two holding midfielders again, probably um, McDonald. Uh, I think Angisa will play as well. Um, Johansson will probably be dropped, and it's probably Seri alongside them. Um, I would be surprised if we went with the three up with Mitro, um, because you know it being an away game and they're likely to come at us. I'd, I'd like to see it because it was effective, um, and we need, in my opinion, we need someone further up the pitch to hold on to the ball. But I can't see him doing it. Yeah, yeah. And and Matt B, do you think Schurler could play that number 10 role that we've sort of been talking about in the absence of Tom Kearney? Um, I've, I think he'd be capable of playing any role that we gave to him because I think he's an outstanding footballer. But I don't see it. I, I think he'll continue interchanging between the right and the left-hand side. Um, there was, there's an interesting article in the programme from the Watford game, actually, where he said, I don't need to do a lot of dribbling or passing. I like to be where I can score a goal. I like to be outside the box, inside the box. I've really settled well into the team because I found my position. I've had quite a few shots and I hope to translate them into goals. So whilst I think he could play number 10, I'd, I'd rather not risk upsetting him. Um, I think he's a sort of player who plays with a smile on his face. But if if he's... If he's if he's not happy with the position he's playing and if he's not happy with the way he's being utilised, then I'm not sure we'll be getting the best out of him. Yeah, excellent. That's a really good point. And and so Goodison seems to be a bit of a, a bogey ground for us. And as Les Strong says upcoming, I mean, I believe like him that we can actually get a result here. I mean, but we're obviously going to have to be very, very cautious about certain players. Oh, Matt B, Matt D's rather, who do you think would be the best person to keep our eye on out of the Everton squad? Yeah, it's a tricky one because they've had a, a bit of a dodgy start like we have. Um, and I think I don't think they've had six different defences, but they've certainly, it's four or five from, from looking at their lineup. Um, so I, I don't think uh, Silver is quite sure of his best team. So in that respect, I think, they, I think we've got a chance. I think... I think uh, Richarlison, even though he he started well and he's he's gone off the boil a little lately, because uh, he obviously was he was sent off, wasn't he? Um, but he's the sort of player that I think 
can cause us a nightmare, you know, like your Wilfred Zahar or your Leroy Sane or Lucas Moura. He's he's very difficult to deal with for a defence that's already quite uncertain. So I would be, you know, doing my very best to keep him out of the game. Matt B, can we do it? Can we actually get a win? It's, I mean, the stats aren't good, but what do you think? I mean, you've got to believe, haven't you? You've got to believe you can go and get a result, um, even if uh, deep down you have big question marks. But like you say, it's, it's been a real bogey ground um, and we, we lost every single game we played up there in the Premier League um, last time round. But now we've got completely different personnel. We've got a, a new manager and we've got completely different players. So whereas whereas before you might you might play them season after season and although the the team will change slightly there may be some players left over from the last defeat and that may rub off on on the other players but this time I think it's a completely blank canvas last time we were in the Premier League we got results at Old Trafford, White Hart Lane, Anfield um, and we got points at both of Arsenal's grounds and and Chelsea so all the big big clubs Man City we got results at all these places so we shouldn't fear any any ground to go to Um, we just need to go there play our play our game play our best team and um, and just defend for our lives because they have got pace. So they, they've got Richarlison, they've got Walcott, they've got Calvert-Lewin, all really pacey players. Um, we really need to have our wits about us defensively. We need to take Watford's lead from last weekend and we need to try and crowd these players out, not give them too much space or time on the ball. Going forward is not a problem for us. Um, we'll, we'll get chances to score, but we just need to really up our game at the back. Yeah, and hopefully Tim Ream will be back too and we can probably rest a little bit easier when he's in our side. Now, OK, so... If he's back though, sorry, even if he's back, I'm not sure, you you know, you want him starting straight away. It'll probably be he's back in, maybe with, with 20 minutes here and there and then started, but yeah, who throw knows? Throw him in, throw him in. Chuck him straight in. <laughs> we need there him, you don't go. we? You basically really, really need him. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right then, score prediction, guys. I'll go to you, Matt Dom. What do you think? Yeah, I... I think we can get something and there'll be goals. We'll probably concede our standard two, even though Watford was uh, one better than that. Uh, I'm going to go with two all. All right. And Matt B? Yeah, I, I agree that we'll get a point. Um, I, I think it'll be one all. Although I'd like to see one somebody other than, other than Mitrovic or, or Seri or Scherler score because they're the only three players that have scored so far and we probably need to start sharing the goals out a bit, a bit um, more evenly as well throughout the team. Let's not All get right. too picky. Yeah. Well, quite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And actually, you know what? I was going to go for two all as well. I've got a feeling that hopefully there'll certainly be goals from our end on the conceding side. But I've I've got some good feelings that we can. We're good at away from home, and I know obviously that we're not good at being the boogie side. But I've got a good feeling about this squad in their sort of away capacity. I think we'll do well. All right, so that's the preview over, folks. And after this, we have a little treat for you from the big boss man is Danny, the gift that keeps on giving, where he has a very special interview with Les Strong. Fulham. And welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. Now, we have something special for you. Danny, the big boss, caught up with the Fulham legend and former left-back Les Strong this week to talk about our greatest ever result at Goodison Park the 2-1 victory in the FA Cup fifth round en route to our only ever cup final appearance in 1975, where Viv Busby scored both goals to help us on our way. Over to you, Danny. I'm now joined by a Fulham legend, the one and only Les Strong. Les, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for joining me, mate. 
Hello, Dan. Yeah, pleasure. Anytime, you know that. Yeah, I know that, mate. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, all good. Thanks, yeah. Good stuff. Well, you know why you're here today? Everton away. We've never won there in the league, 26 attempts. We've only won there twice at all in cups. In 1948, we won there in a cup. You was on the bench for that one, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still funny, Dan. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, so yeah, 1948, and then we played them again in 1975. And you certainly played in that one. That was the last time we've beaten them at uh, Goodison Park. So hoping your memory holds up, mate. Hoping you well, can tell us a bit about uh, that's it. That's an incredible statistic, really, isn't it? Um, sometimes, you know, you, you play against a team and, 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 and you don't get the right results. I don't think it's anything uh, about Goodison Park. Those results never went right for us. But um, specifically our one in, the, um, in 1975, um, I certainly remember that well. Absolutely. Well, I've got the starting lineup here. Now, do you want to have a guess? Um, Mella. Yeah. Cutbush, Lacey, Moore, myself. Spot on. Okay. Uh, Mullery in centre of midfield. Um, Alan Slough. Yeah. I'm not sure if Barry Lloyd played that day, but I can give you a couple of more. There'll be um, Les Barrett, Jimmy Conway, Viv Busby, maybe yeah. John Dowie. Spot on. What I'm working out from this is you've got Alan Slough, you've got Mullery, and you've got John Dowie. Now, to me, that's three central midfielders. And then you've got the front three of Barrett and Conway either side of Busby. So, I mean, I'm guessing here, but that to me sounds like a Djokanovic um, formation. It sounds like you went with the, um, the wingers supporting the lone striker. And pack the uh, we did, yeah. Well, we we um, a later date for that game, we certainly did. But a later date, of course, we brought in John Mitchell and uh, Les Barrett, and uh, we ended up playing four-two-four then because Les Barrett and Jimmy Conway were certainly out-and-out wingers, um, yeah. and it's fair to say that they didn't contribute much defensively. So, um, uh, but they were both fantastic wingers, um, amazing players, and um, and Viv up front on his own. So, you know, they. they they weren't very tall players, Les Barrett and Jimmy Conway, so Viv was really a lone striker up there. Bit like Mitro. Uh, a bit like him, yeah, certainly. Well, I've seen the highlights of it, and we'll, we'll go through that in a second, but it really was a, a cup upset, wasn't it? Especially away from home, because at the time, Everton were top of the league in the top division, and we were the league below. Um, we, we, I think in all the time in that, that period, we, we sort of finished ninth every year. Eighth or ninth, we was always one or two players off, probably uh, getting promotion every, every virtually every season. So we were a mid-table team. Um, we, I think, we probably finished mid-table just above that season anyway. But of course, the cup turned it all, and uh, Everton were, were having a. Uh, they had some great players there. You know, you talk about how Kendall players of that caliber that were there. But I mean, if you reeled them off, there were some real quality players at that time. So it was a massive result on its own, forget of what it went on to become. Travelling up to the game, were you confident? Was the, the mindset, let's get, take it back to the cottage? What, how, how did you well, approach it? Was, it? Uh, uh, you know, if you go through the stats of that year, it was incredible. Um, we kept drawing, as you know. Uh, three against Hull in the third round, four against Nottingham Forest in the fourth round. And um, plus with the league games, so we was getting a real fixture congestion, and uh, we were actually playing Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday for for maybe three weeks. So we played, I think, not in the forest on the Monday night. Um, we drew, 
think we played them on the Wednesday night and we beat them um, and because it was getting close to, to the Saturday. So we played Monday, Wednesday and then Everton on the Saturday. So uh, um, we went up by coach and um, as we always did and uh, we, we were pretty confident. We realised how good they were uh, but we were certainly looking forward to it especially with uh, Bobby Moore and Alan Mallory keeping us all calm. Yeah, it's, it, it must make a massive difference having them kind of leaders. Well, they were incredible players, to be fair. And and without Alan Murray and Bobby Moore, we certainly wouldn't have got to the car final. I watched the highlights earlier, and when um, Jimmy Conway ignores the ref's whistle and runs the keeper and taps it into the net and he's, he's offside, he gets booked for arguing. And Alan Murray runs straight up to him and goes mental. And like, as if to say, what are you doing? Stop being stupid, getting silly bookings. So you could really see the presence of Mullery as like a captain. Oh, he was a, he was an incredible captain. You know, he would, if we weren't playing well, we'd sort of drag players through games, really. Um, you know, you, you certainly didn't argue with him. But what a, what a captain he was and a great player. And still at it, you know, at, at that time in his uh, career. So did Bobby Moore. So us young players uh, learned a lot from them, really. Um, as I say, without those two, we certainly wouldn't have got to the final. Well, I mean, the first goal was a very scrappy one. It was crossed in by Barrett, I think it was, and Conway sort of got a touch to it. It went under the keeper, and it sort of scrambled into the net. Um, Busby tapped it in on the line. N- nothing to really write home about. It was it was a very very scrappy goal, but um, we went one nil up. Then, as I said. Conway's goal was disallowed. Do you remember the goal that was disallowed? I, I remember it being disallowed. I don't know what, what it was for, to be quite honest. Well, it, I mean, it was, it, was, it was good coverage, actually. It was like watching Match of the Day uh, when I watched yeah. it on YouTube because they had... Um, uh, Busby was in the studio with the, the bloke presenting. So that, they actually had replays and everything. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, technology, see, we, we weren't that far behind in those days. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm I'm surprised you didn't go for VAR to be honest, because <laughs> they said it, they said it was offside. But when they showed the replay, it was quite clear that he come off an Everton player, so he wasn't offside. It should have been, it should have stood. So, so there you go. Alan Mullery was giving him an earful about getting booked for moaning, and he was in the right. Well, there you go. And sadly, Jimmy's uh, in a bad state as well in America. He's got uh, dementia and he's he's um, in palliative care at the moment. So he's he's in a bad way as well, yeah, unfortunately. That's really sad to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, talking to Jimmy Conway, like we won't dwell too much on the Everton equaliser, but then the second goal. Jimmy Conway, I've never heard spoken about much, but watching these highlights, unbelievable. Do you remember the goal? Do you want to describe it to me? Uh, yes. Uh, somehow I got the ball. I think I took it inside and I think I played Jimmy through on the line, didn't I? I'm glad you uh, stepped in there because I would have skipped that bit out. But you are right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you was on the um, on the halfway line, or on the sideline, and uh, yeah, you sort of like crossed it infield to... Slipped in the ball, didn't I? Yeah. That was it. Like, it was, it was like, a, like a through ball, it was. It was um, through ball, that's beautiful. it. Beautiful. Well spotted. Like Johnny Ainge, it was. <laughs> well, not quite, but anyway, I was pleased with it. <laughs> so, really, I mean, we beat Everton because of your um, your creativity, really, your vision. Well, there were 10 others, but, uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll settle for that at this moment in time, Dan. Thanks. So, you play it through for Conway. Yeah, Jimmy, I think he, he skipped past the defence. He was very good at going past players, Jimmy. Um, and uh, he got he got down the byline. 
and crossed the ball uh, back a little bit. I think Viv collected around about 12 yards out and um, rounded a player, I think, and, uh, and slammed it home, if I remember rightly. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, Conway flicks it over the... So, sorry, Les Strong with a beautiful pass infield to the on-running uh, well, well Conway. Well described, Dan. Well done. You'll, you'll go far in this game. Um, yeah, so he, Conway uh, flicks it over the first defender's edge, beats the second one for pace, takes him on as well, and he got to the byline and crossed it back, like you said. Yeah. But the space he had. He was in a lot of space. They, they, they didn't uh, mark him very well there, thank goodness. But that was, uh, for me, that was um, probably our best result getting to Wembley. Um, to go away to to an Everton team with internationals in it and uh, and win at their place. I mean, statistically as well, uh, that whole cup run, which is which is still a record, uh, we didn't win one home game. Yeah, we won all our games away from Craven Cottage. It's amazing that the record will never be beaten. It will never be beaten yet. So we're we're there for all time unless they change it again, of course. But what was um, interesting, which I thought was was interesting, I just mentioned about all those games that we played. Uh, that we were playing Monday, Wednesday, Saturday for two or three weeks at least, and just about to kick off. And uh, I heard one of their players, I didn't, know, I don't know who it was, trying to g the team up, and uh, he said, "Come on, lads, they've been playing all week. They'll be tired, and uh, let's get on, let's get on the front foot straight away." And I thought to myself, "Well, I'm not tired. I'm 21 years old, and I wasn't tired." So they they obviously had it in their mind that because we played three games that week, that we might be a bit tired, but we certainly wasn't. There you go, and that's gen- yeah. generally what happens with cup upset, isn't it? It's like the the bigger team, a little bit cocky. I think they were overconfident in that. I, I think they 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 thought that um, playing all those games in really short space of time, no time to rest, and uh, you know. Nowadays, we'd have changed half the squad, I would think, uh, to give them a rest. Um, but we just kept playing, and um, and, and that, that was a plus for us, that, that we, we were playing regularly, uh, the same players, and, and winning. So, um, you know, we went into that game as the underdogs, the out-and-out underdog. But, um, you know, we, we, we felt very confident going into it. Watching the highlights, we played really well. We, we were fantastic that day. That certainly was one of the best results in, in Fulham's history, I think, at that time. Do you remember what teams were left in the draw? Were we the only lower league team left? We were the only lower league team, I believe. It was Ipswich, uh, West Ham, us and Carlisle. Um, I can't remember the other two that would be quite honest. Maybe Arsenal. I think Arsenal were, were still in it. Birmingham must have been in it. Uh, Birmingham, yeah, and I, and I believe the other team was Arsenal. So, um, yeah, so we were the only Division Two team left, and uh, I think anyone, even though we beat Everton, I think all the teams were looking to play us. And uh, Carlisle got us at Carlisle, yeah, and um, so they must have been fairly confident. And to be fair, they they actually outplayed us that day. We were hammered a little bit, and Peter Miller had the best game of his career and uh, kept us in it. So um, that was another good result, but uh, and Birmingham, of course, over two legs. But still, for me, the Everton away was um, was a highlight that season. To be fair, what was it like playing at Goodison Park? Because I would imagine that was the only time in your career because we were never in the top division in your era. No, that was um, yeah. I mean, and it hasn't changed much by the look of it. It's sort of an old-fashioned ground, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, lovely. You know, you always like to play to. Top team stadiums, and uh, but that wasn't really a spectacular uh, stadium, and it still isn't now. But you know, it'll be it'll be nice to uh, to go back there and to see it, and I'll, I'll be going out for the game. 
Well, good to hear. Okay. Well, do you think it'll it'll be in the players' minds on Saturday? Do you think they'll have a psychological mm, thing? Not in the slightest. Well, that's good to hear. Won't, won't, won't cross their mind in the slightest. If someone said to them, um, uh, "We've never beaten uh, Everton in the league," then they we wouldn't bother them one 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 iota. Really, they, so they just ignore yeah. it, would they? They'll completely ignore it. Yeah, and so they should. There you go, ladies and gents. The words are less yeah. strong. Good, good, good. I, I think we can certainly get a result there. I hope so, mate. Well, I mean, always a pleasure to speak to you. I re- really appreciate you joining us for that. That's a pleasure, Dan. Uh, um, and you know that any time, um, give me a call. Oh, you're a legend, mate. Okay, mate. Thanks very soon. much. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Fulham. Ah, great interview. And I, I really hope what Les said about us nicking something could actually happen. He's such a legend. All right. So, guys, any fantasy football tips this week that you've got for us? Matt B, I'll go to you. Um, Just looking at the fixtures, I see Man City are at home to Brighton. Yeah, I think, uh, and well, Tottenham are at Huddersfield as well. So, you know, you, you've got to fancy Harry Kane. He's he's broken his, his drought and started scoring again. So... Harry Kane or Man City. I, I really like the look of uh, Bernardo Silva at the moment. He's um, he's he's looking really really good. So yeah. um, stick them both in your team if you if you can afford them. All right, and Matt D, what do you think? Yeah, if you want to go with the guy who's bottom of the focus league, um, <laughs> go for it. But um, this time I'm going for Willy Bolly. I put him into my squad from Wolves. Um, they're at home to Southampton, so I can see them winning to nil. They started really well. Um, Willy Bolly is an absolute man mountain. I can't see anything getting past him. And and at 4.6 million, uh, he's cheap for a defender as well. You can get him pretty much in the lowest bracket. So, um, yeah, I'd go for him. Nice one. Nice one. All right, guys. Well, that's us all done for another week. Uh, Thank you to my co-hosts, Matt D and Matt B. You guys have been great. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and tell all your friends about us. And next week's show is out on a Tuesday again, where we'll look back on the Everton match and look forward to hosting Arsenal at the Cottage. Big, big, big. So that is goodbye from me and that is goodbye from Matt B. Cheers, everyone. Glad. And that is goodbye from Matt D. Cheers, J-Mac. Nice one, mate. All right, guys. All the best. Thank you very much and happy autumn to you all. Good night.